Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. I'm your host, George Kurth, here joined by the two best friends that anyone could ask for. Tyler Snyder's with us. Tyler, how are you? I mean, am I supposed to say good? Because, like, football season's over, so I'm not good. It's it's the most bittersweet weekend of the of the season, for sure. But we got Cody Roadcap as well. Are you also feeling bittersweet? Yes, bittersweet. I believe, if my math is right, we're at 204 days until the football season kicks back off. Um, so it'll be a long off season, uh, but definitely excited to to see how these teams change over the next few months. Definitely, and I think this is a good time to actually mention to everybody we are going to be taking the next two weeks off. Uh, get rid of through the little bit of that uh, lull, get a little bit of a rest before we go back and bring you guys some stuff about the draft and free agency coming up in March. But today on the show, we're going to hit some NFL news and notes. We're going to talk quotes of the week. We are going to give the final results of the playoff challenge, and we are going to talk about our thoughts on how the Super Bowl broke down. Make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com and on our social media channels. Guys, let's jump into NFL news. Starting off NFL news, injury news, even though for some people that were not playing, we'll start off as DK Metcalf. He got surgery to remove a screw from his foot from a previous procedure. He did say that his foot was bothering him throughout the season. So hopefully this is the first step in his recovery to coming back to 100% next year. I know Cody had mentioned that he said that he is faster than, was it Cooper Cup? Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Oh, even better. Um which is possibly true, but I think we have to see some races between some of these guys like them too. Tyreek Hill. I, Tyreek Hill wasn't even the fastest of the skills competition. Trayvon Diggs. Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons. Yeah. We'll try to schedule that for the offseason. We'll, everyone will listen to the Couch GMs for that reason. No. Um, and then we also obviously have some Super Bowl injury news to cover as well. First, Joe Burrow was banged up during the Super Bowl. He injured his knee. It is not expected to delay him for being ready for 2022. He is not going to require surgery. But the more important one that will actually hurt our long-term, Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. We know that he just signed with the Rams midseason. He was on a one-year contract. He is going to be a free agent. Do you guys think he's still going to come back to the Rams after the ACL tear? Do you think this affects anything with his outlook of a long-term contract? Is he going to have to sign a one-year prove-it deal again? Uh, I think it's going to count on the the structure of the contract. I don't think it'll be a one-year prove-it deal. I think we've seen what we can get out of Odell with the Rams, with a better quarterback, better system. Um, So I think it's going to be more so his – if he signs a two or three year deal, his first year is going to be the lowest salary year because he probably won't play all that much, at least in the beginning of the season. And I think it'll be backloaded. I think his second or third year is going to be his highest uh, salaried year. Yeah. And he even said he would give the Rams a discount prior to the injury. Cause he, he obviously loved playing in LA. Uh, he revitalized his career. He had seven touchdowns in those couple weeks with, the Rams, where he only he had seven touchdowns in his whole time with the Cleveland Browns. So I think he'll definitely be back. It's a big blow. He's probably not a realistic option in fantasy football for next year because he'll, he'll probably be out. I don't know. The Rams staff, they did magic with Cam Akers' Achilles. Maybe they can do it with his ACL. Uh, but tearing it this late in the season, he's he's probably destined to miss you know eight to ten games coming in to next season at a minimum. So 
tough blow for OBJ, but I do think he'll be back in LA. And it's interesting to see if, maybe if he's not even fantasy relevant next season, if you are someone who ends up drafting a Robert Woods next year and he's back and he starts having a productive start to the season, then OBJ comes back and takes some of those snaps. That might be a messy wide receiver core behind Cooper Cup next year. We have to wait and see what happens there. However, if you are in a league where you have IR spots where you can stash people, people might forget about OBJ if they hear that he's going to miss at least the first half of the year. So he might be a guy you can draft in the final three rounds and just stash on your IR spot all year and unleash him right before the playoff time. Yeah, it's all about playing smart fantasy. We talked about a couple of guys that were trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, definitely it would be a good idea to draft someone like an Odell Beckham and then pick up a kicker after you were able to put him on your reserve spot. But kickers still do matter, Cody. Cody, if it comes down to the final round, you have the first pick in the last round. Nobody's picked the kicker yet. Evan McPherson is sitting there staring at you in the face. Do you take Evan McPherson or do you let someone like George beat you with him and take somebody else? No, I I would. If it was between uh, OBJ to stash him and Evan McPherson, I'd take OBJ or someone else. I don't. I don't draft kickers. Uh, Look, I love that Evan was the McPherson. most. That was the least confident I've heard of him answering a question in a while. I feel like, like Dude, he wanted I, to say Evan McPherson. Look, I love <laughs> Evan McPherson. That's no no lie, but I know I'll be able to get Evan McPherson after their bye week because somebody will drop him. No one's going to hold two kickers, except maybe Brandon, because Brandon likes to do that kind of stuff to me. So I'll, if, if Brandon gets him, I'll never see him. But most likely, you know, he'll have a bad game. Someone will need a matchup, and I'll be able to pick up Evan McPherson a few weeks later. Well, I hope you know now if I get him, you're also not going to see him, because I will purposely hold him on my bench. But we can Another move out of the Super Bowl. You, hey, that's fine. <laughs> We can move out of the Super Bowl, and we're going to be talking a lot of quarterback news as we move through the offseason. We already had talked a lot about how Carson Wentz was being conveyed by the Colts brass and their head coach. And now there is a report coming out from Chris Mortensen that says Carson Wentz is likely to be cut or traded before March 19th, which is when his salary becomes guaranteed for next season. I believe that's also the start of the new league year. He could be a big catch for some of these teams that are quarterback needy because the draft is not that strong. And I still think that he is a solid quarterback if you actually put him on a team that has some weapons around him. He's been around some decimated wide receiver cores over the last few years. Yeah, I like I like Carson Wentz. I still think he has potential to be a quarterback. I think it'd be a crazy for the the Colts to cut ties after giving up essentially two first round picks for him. But I mean, I understand why they're gonna do it. And I feel like if they're gonna do it, they're they're going big for Obviously, they're not probably not getting Deshaun Watson out of Houston because they're not going to trade him in division. But they're going to, you know, target a guy like Aaron Rodgers if he's available. He's going. They're going to target um, Russell Wilson. Those kind of. They're going to try to make a big splash again. You know, they had Philip Rivers for a year, then they tried the Carson Wentz. They're going to keep doing this until they find their guy. I don't think it'll be a rookie. I think it'll be another veteran, maybe a, even like a guy like Kirk Cousins. If that guy, if he becomes available, just the guy that you you come in and try to not make as many mistakes because the Colts for what they were, they were on the brink of making the playoffs and more than one time this season did Carson Wentz throw a bonehead interception that you could argue cost them a game. So I can understand yeah. why they, that 
they want to move on. But it is a tough blow for Carson Wentz. I think he'll he'll bounce back. And honestly, like a team like the Washington football team, I think would be a good fit pairing with Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin, uh, Antonio Gibson in the backfield, a decent O-line, pretty solid defense. Let him do some revenge on Philadelphia. I would like that as a fit. Man, you said that they would probably go for Kirk Cousins over Carson Wentz. I get Carson Wentz makes boneheaded decisions. But I think Carson Wentz is as good or slightly better of a quarterback than Kirk Cousins when he has the weapons around him. Tyler, can you like at least like semi-agree with me? Look, I think it's funny that the Colts, you know, I agree with you. Uh, I agree okay. with you that they are going to go for a guy like a Kirk Cousins or maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo even. Uh, maybe they'll make a try to make a bigger splash, but it's going to cost a lot more. But the funny thing about the Colts is every year they do this, they're like going from decent quarterback to decent quarterback, maybe even slightly above average quarterback, but they're not correcting the issue. The issue is not the quarterback. Wentz would have been a lot better if he had something to throw to. Uh, they don't. They have Michael Pittman, who is not a number one receiver, but had to be because it's all they had. Like if they would give these quarterbacks something to throw to, you got Jonathan Taylor, you got the running game, perfect. You got the quarterback, great. You have the offensive line, even awesome. But if you get some receivers on that team, you can make you can succeed with a lesser quarterback. You can succeed with a Garoppolo. You can succeed with a Cousins. You can succeed with Wentz still. But go get some weapons. Make a big splash for Chris Godwin. Don't make a big splash for Cousins or uh, Aaron Rodgers even. like Don't go after one of those guys. Make a big splash for a receiver, and I think that they will be a lot better off. Yeah, I think a, a receiver would be make a ton of sense for them. Um, maybe not even Chris Godwin because he has the ACL injury. And they're looking to win now, so they don't. But there are some wide receivers out there. It is a little bit muddy now that we've had some injuries pile up. Um, and George, I'm with you. I, you know, how much of an upgrade really is Kirk Cousins over Carson Wentz? It's not much, but you, at least Kirk Cousins, is con- more consistently accurate. I'll say that over Carson Wentz. He might not have the same playmaking ability, um, but he's almost a safer version of Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz can make a play out of nothing, where I don't know if Kirk Cousins can, but. Kirk Cousins will do the right thing. He, you know, he's essentially an Alex Smith, a Teddy Bridgewater, like those kind of guys. They're not special, but you can count for them to be in the right spot in the right moment for the most part for Kirk Cousins. If it's a primetime game, that's where we get a little bit iffy. Yeah, and the, the other thing is uh, they keep saying that Wentz will be traded or released by a certain date, but – I think it's a lot more likely that he's going to be cut. Uh, The only team that I've heard in the rumor mill that might be willing to trade for Carson Wentz is the Browns in a straight up trade of Baker for Carson Wentz because the Browns kind of want to move on from Baker. Uh, I don't see it happening, uh, but that's the only rumor I've even heard of anybody trading for him. Uh, I think Wentz is going to be released. I do think Wentz still has the capabilities to be a starting quarterback somewhere, but I think he's going to take the, Ryan Tannehill route and try to go to a team with a struggling starter and be the backup. And hopefully he gets his chance to step in shine and steal that job for the future. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be signed for a uh, starting job this upcoming season. Yeah. I think one more name to look out for in Indianapolis for quarterback though, is Kyler Murray. I know there's been some rumblings that he's 
not happy with the franchise. The franchise isn't happy with him. Not sure of his leadership ability. There's the whole Instagram drama of him erasing all the mentions and all the photos of him in Arizona. Um, so maybe that's a guy that could use a fresh start. Not saying they would trade straight up for straight up. I do think Carson Wentz will end up being released. No one's going to trade for him. Uh, but Kyler Murray also seems like a guy that the Colts could go all in on. I don't know if you were trying to transition or not, but I'm going to jump us into quotes of the week. I don't care if we put the bumper here or not, because our first quote is actually Chris Mortensen talking about Kyler Murray. And he tweeted out and said that Murray is frustrated with the franchise and embarrassed by the playoff loss to the Rams and thinks he's being framed as the scapegoat. Meanwhile, the Cardinals are reportedly calling him self-centered, immature and a finger pointer. So I don't know if this is all a miscommunication between the two, but you're right. There's a lot going on there, and something is going to have to give on either side if they actually want to make this relationship work. And what a big-name talent quarterback out there that could potentially hit the market, uh, the trade market. Like, Kyler Murray took the Cardinals from being an absolute joke to being a legit contender. You look at the first half of this season – we were talking like, I don't know if there's anybody out there that can beat the Cardinals. They had one of the best defenses. They had a high-powered offense. They were a scary team. Uh, they fell off in the second half of the year, especially after Hopkins and Murray got injured. But, like, that's a big-name guy out there. He doesn't have the height of most normal quarterbacks, but he's got the athletic, mobile ability of Lamar Jackson with a better arm. And we all talk about how great Lamar is. I think he's a better version of Lamar. So that could be the guy that can go to a team and immediately make them a huge contender um, if he can find the right fit. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it will be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, you have to imagine the Cardinals are going to try to do what they can to fix the situation, but if they, it'd be crazy if they think he's the, the problem and it's not like Cliff Kingsbury. Um, that'd be just a bad team staying bad. But, you know, the Cardinals – they're trying to go for the three-peat of hosting the Super Bowl or playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium and winning it. So this is a big year for them. So if they're going to do that, you'd think Kyler Murray's their best option. Unless they go out there and try to trade for Aaron Rodgers and flip Kyler Murray back. I don't know. I don't think that would work for them. But I just I have a feeling that this is going to be a whole lot of hype for nothing, just like it seemed like most of the quarterback market has been the last few seasons. Like we heard all the Aaron Rodgers drama last year. Russell Wilson was even on the chopping block last year like he is again this year, and almost nothing happened. Like I think there's certain situations that are definitely going to happen this year. Like you're going to have some kind of resolution in San Francisco in the Jimmy Garoppolo versus Trey Lance. Carson Wentz, I think, is probably the most likely to get moved again. He was one of the few that was moved last offseason. But the big names, like the Kyler Murray – the Aaron Rodgers, I even think, is a good chance he's going to stay. And I think Russell Wilson has a chance to stay, too. Like, it's going to be a lot of hype and then turn into almost nothing. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that one. Um, and our last quote, it's a light on the quote week, uh, just because everything is Super Bowl related. So we didn't want to get over inundated with Super Bowl talk. Um, but Tom Brady, he did announce his retirement. Uh, some people will say that's just so he doesn't have to do the offseason training. He'll be back at training camp. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but he was talking about his good buddy, Rob Gronkowski, um, because Gronk has formerly been on the record saying he'd only play with Tom Brady. Um, but Tom Brady said, I hope he still plays. He can certainly still do it. Um, what do you guys think about Gronk continuing to play? Where do you think he might go? Because I have a hard time seeing him stay in Tampa Bay unless they pull in a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, a top-tier quarterback quarterback. 
uh, you think he'd want to go play at a, somewhere where he feels like he could win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I can see him going to a team like the Rams because um, I don't think Higby's all that special. I think Gronk and Higby together is a better combination. Um, or just honestly, just any team along that caliber of potential Super Bowl winning. But at the same time, do I think he should continue playing? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but watching him play this year, he still looked good, but he looks slow. Like He just looks like he's getting slower and slower the more he ages, and it was so hard for him to get separation on defenses unless they drew up some kind of crazy play calling that drew the defense away from him or he found holes in the zone. Uh, but if it was man-to-man, he could not beat a linebacker. I've seen some defensive linemen keep up with him. He was just... He didn't seem like he had the speed of his old times. Yeah, he definitely is slowing down. I still think he could go one more year. Uh, I would not be shocked if he's still retired. I think Gronk, I think Brady's just trying to will him back to another season. Uh, he had already mentioned that he was willing to play with Joe Burrow. I think that's obviously one target. I like that you said the Rams too. Um, otherwise, I think it's going to be, yeah, he's going to pick a quarterback that he wants to play with. If Rodgers stays in Green Bay and they can somehow work the cap to bring him in, I think that's the kind of option that you'd see. Um, or he's going to go to some high-caliber team, try to like will them to a championship so he can go out on top if he doesn't decide to just call it quits this offseason. However, yeah, I think if he it, does not continue playing, I will say the WWE needs a superstar to come in and win that title. Uh, and his <laughs> his WWE career got cut short when Tom Brady went to the Bucks, So I'd love to see Gronk back in the WWE. I think there's probably a lot of people that would, would love to see Gronk back in the WWE. And that could definitely be an option for him. If he doesn't want to keep playing, I'll throw one other team into the mix. Um, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Dalton Schultz is set to hit the free agent market. He had a pretty big season. He might be tough to keep. Um, some team might try to give him a lot of money because he's a young ascending tight end. We know Jerry Jones loves, you know, elite players, top 10 players, Dallas, big, big market. I could see them going, making a big case for uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski um, there. So have to wait and see with him. Uh, but guys, I think that's all our quotes. Why don't we head into a playoff challenge update? So obviously, unfortunately, the playoffs are over. And even more unfortunately, that was so we depressing. Said that we would... yeah. Oh my gosh. You, you, <laughs> I know. You, I almost started crying. That's how depressing you sound. I know. I, it's very sad. Honestly, I was a little bit more on the up and up. And then you guys in the intro were both like, well, this week's kind of depressing. And now it, it's hit me. But uh, we were also going to invite the winner of the playoff challenge onto the show until we found out that the winner was Bo Dot Dot. And you still have not changed your name. So, dude, what the heck? He edged out. Cody's fiance Jen by one whole point, 794. Jen had 793. The round down our top five, we had Marcus from the first and 10 club, Jim and Emily. The Couch GM's consensus team got seventh. Cody got 13th. Tyler got 15th. I got 16th. So our individual teams could have done better. The Couch GM's team did not do too bad for three separate people picking, though. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Emily. Uh, Emily is a uh schoolmate of my fiance Shelby and Emily has never played anything fantasy related ever and she decided to join our playoff challenge because she's hoping to start fantasy football up next season and this was her little taste into fantasy football she made all the picks on her own without any help so uh shout out to her first time ever playing fantasy and you get fifth out of this challenge that's pretty impressive 
Abs- absolutely. And she beat wow. our cumulative team. So shout out to Emily. Uh, that's an awesome story. We love when people are hopping on the fantasy bandwagon train, whatever you want to call it, but getting excited about fantasy football. Um, Bo dot time. We just, we told you at the top of the show, we're taking two weeks off free line. Get adjusted. You have two weeks to reach out and somehow prove that you're Bo dot dime. If not, I guess either no one's come on the show or we'll move it to Jen. Cause she did only lose by one point after going into the week by with a one point lead. So that was definitely a, a fun, um, back and forth. I know just, uh, I'll give my fiance some props though. This was her like first fully invested. She, this was her second year playing fantasy, but her first year fully invested. She played in two leagues. She did this one. She won the championship and won lost by what was it? George, you beat her two points in it was like 1.2 or something yeah it was close 1.2 in her other one and then lost the playoff challenge by one point so it was a brutal end to her two of her seasons um but i know she definitely enjoyed playing fantasy football and we definitely enjoyed all of you that took the time to join our fantasy playoff challenge and only hope it grows next season you know what just to grow on that cody let's just give a shout out to the women of the fantasy world a lot of people look at fantasy football like a men's game like a lot of guys play it and nobody really talks about girls being good at fantasy but uh all three of us have significant others that play fantasy cody yours is in the championship uh mine was in the championship the last two years george your girl is brand new to fantasy and she is still crushing it she had a great season in multiple leagues this year like don't underestimate the women of fantasy. They all take it seriously too. They get very invested. They're screaming at the TV more than we are now. Um, it's shout out to the girls out there. Girl power. Definitely don't look at this like a male sport. Like don't be afraid to play. It's honestly a lot more fun uh, if you jump into some fantasy. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, and... I'll, I'll, I'm going to piggyback on that. If you're out there saying females don't belong in sports or females don't belong in fantasy football sports in general you won't listen to a sport a sportscaster that's a female because she is a female and, oh she's never played the game uh please leave the football fan if we don't want you yep yeah 100 uh, we, yeah we definitely don't want you here either but uh yeah on top of it if you have somebody that you want to get into sports whether it's a significant other or just a friend or whatever we try to tailor this show to help anybody out there i know there's a lot of podcasts out there that are fantasy sports podcasts they, they just kind of talk in the way that you know that some people that don't have experience might not understand. We always try to help everybody of all experience levels. We can all we're always here to answer questions as well. So spread the word. If we ever need, if we're ever doing something that doesn't make sense, let us know. Um, obviously, it's the off season. We are going to try to do work some this some stuff this off season, building off what we did last off season to help people get started. And we're always here to help. So we're hey, spread the word. We're we're excited for what's coming up for the future of the podcast. That's right, George. But before we get too excited about the future, we definitely have to recap the last game of the season with our Super Bowl recap. Yes, we do. And obviously, the Rams pulled off the game against the Bengals 23-20. to So we had two of us on here picking the Rams. Tyler, you and I got it right. I was a little bit closer on score. Cody, I don't know if you picked the Bengals because you wanted to pick the Bengals or if you were just picking that Simpson score, but it didn't work out for you. Uh, there's no punishment for you, at least. We're not going to do that to you. But a couple of notes that we can talk about in the Super Bowl, and we can kind of just go back and forth. But the first thing we have on here, 
this was the most watched program on television, not just sports and television in the last five years. Now I know last year, the Super Bowl was one of the least watched in a while. What a rebound for the NFL and the Super Bowl in general. Yeah. Absolutely. It uh, goes to show that people don't want to see Tom Brady anymore. That's true. (laughs) That was a Tom Brady Super Bowl. And now you had one against of two teams that, weren't really relevant and I I shouldn't say weren't really, but like weren't, aren't the normal teams up there. Like not even the chiefs were in there or anything like that. Yeah. I I think there was definitely some of that, the Cinderella story with the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, a team that nobody expected coming into the season. Um, But I think, you know, we hear every year, you know, the NFL season gets slow, something happens. They're like, Oh, football's dying. Football is, you know, I'm not, you hear people say, I'm not watching the NFL anymore, X, Y, and Z reasons why. And it just goes to show that there's a reason that the salary cap is going to explode after next season. Football is still the king of sports, and it's getting more viewers than ever. Yeah, absolutely, Cody. And I mean, just to piggyback off of what I was saying earlier, I don't know why I'm talking about the WWE so much, but the WWE was dying and nobody was watching it. And then Gronk announces that he is joining the WWE and Pat McAfee takes over as one of the commentators uh, every night. So WWE's ratings skyrocketed. It's just because two people from the football universe go into a different dying franchise and revitalize it. It goes to show the power that football has, not just on uh, football itself, but on everything. Um, And I'm, Super glad that we get to be a part of it and have this podcast and talk about football and really get as invested as we can. I mean, I know that this Super Bowl was a big one, and I I called off work for it. I didn't care. Uh, I wasn't missing the Super Bowl, and I'll do it again, I promise. But this game, I think, was so much better because it finally wasn't just two of the dominant teams. Like you said, it was two teams that people didn't really expect. Uh, I still was a little unhappy with the Rams being there because they felt like the Yankees of old. They just bought and traded for everybody they wanted to be able to get there. But, you know, kudos to them. It worked out. It was still an exciting game. And honestly, I think there's something else we need to talk about here, guys. Not just football, but how about the halftime show? Uh, One of the highest rated halftime shows in a long time. People are saying it's either the greatest halftime show or uh, possibly second to Prince. But uh, what are your thoughts on this? George, I'll let you go first. Okay. I mean, it was definitely my favorite in recent memory, one of my favorites of all time. I, I Honestly, I know Tyler was in the room with me. We were just kind of sitting back there like, this takes us back to our childhood. It just sounded good. There was all the stars that you could think of. It was well choreographed. They were able. I think it also helped that they were able to do a lot more than last year when the weekend was kind of limited to just himself. Everyone had to wear masks that was involved. They were able to open it up a little bit more. While it wasn't the extravagant show that like Katy Perry was when she had all the you know dancing sharks and whatever, they did what they needed to do for their type of music. They were still able to spotlight that type of music. And sometimes like the sound mixing doesn't sound good. I think it actually was good on that front as well. So I think it was overall a fantastic show. Yeah, I, I liked the halftime show. I think I'm probably one of the lower rating people like i'm not saying it was bad i've definitely seen worse i liked it better than last year's with the weekend um there definitely was the nostalgia aspect 
of it, but I think George, you hit it too. Um, for me, I'm like a nerd. Like the production value means a lot to me. Um, even when I go to a concert, this is a personal look into me. When I go to concerts, like I do more staring at the backdrops, the screens, watching the cues, mm-hmm. seeing where the camera people are. Like that's just what I get interested in. Like the the whole aspect of it. And I do think this show was lacking a little bit of the spectacular, the show aspect. But as a performance, all five artists did great. There was definitely artists I preferred. I mean, they I I enjoyed more than others, but they all all five of them did great. But for me, I I still think the Prince halftime show is up there. Um, I still really like Super Bowl Fifty with Coldplay, Beyonce, and Bruno Mars. That was probably my favorite of ones I personally remember is still probably my top Super Bowl halftime show. Um, but I do think this was, you know, a top five performance. Yeah, I got to give some credit to Lady Gaga, too. She really knew how to put on a show, whether you're a Lady Gaga Jumping into the roof. Like, honestly, yeah. yeah, like she knew how to put on a show. She was entertaining. Uh, you know, I think the reason that there wasn't as much production value was on purpose, to be honest with you, because I think it's like these weren't just, you know, top singers right now. Like these were music icons, music legends. And I think it's less production so you're not focusing on the backgrounds the lights the cameras you're focusing on the stars because they are the show um i agree with you i like looking at the production value too but i think that's the reason why there wasn't as much because it was able to focus on the stars um i will say that i do have a little bit that i would tweak with the halftime show and as bad as it sounds i would get rid of a couple of them i don't know which ones because they're all great but i think having as many singers as they did i think it was six um we didn't get enough time with each i think when you have one set super bowl singer they are kind of going on for a while i like the idea of having multiple so you get a little taste of everything um but i think they had a little bit too many this time i know as a personal big fan of eminem it was disappointing that i only got to hear one song from him i'd love to hear more uh and that goes with a lot of these other guys and i'm still wondering how long 50 cent was hanging upside down before he actually started singing (laughs) it wasn't long there's a a video on the internet that you can see him hopping on uh the bar like right before the end but nobody nobody saw him because he was on the under so the cameras were up the top but you someone Mm -hmm. from the crowd sent a video and you can see him hopping on he was probably hanging upside down maybe like five to ten seconds before he started or he was holding up there and then they cued him to drop down um so it wasn't very long but i'm with you you know i do also think that was a good point too it did feel a little overcrowded i think they did a great job of um it did feel like one cohesive track almost the whole time like there was there was like two or three breaks and there was a few awkward transitions i felt like um and i think they were all great and i don't want to take this away but to me the kendrick lamar part did feel a little out of place compared to to everybody else i don't know if that was mm-hmm. because he was on I feel like he was the only guy that was on the field and everyone else was in those four white houses stages. Um, but it, he, he felt like the guy that was out of the mix. I'm not saying he did a bad performance. I thought he did well, a great performance as well, but he did feel a little bit out of place. I also think it's because he's more of a fresher super or a fresher star than uh, mm-hmm. the other guys. I mean, everybody else you remember as like nostalgia from back in the day listening to their music Kendrick Lamar is like he's been around a while don't get me wrong but he hasn't been as around as long as Snoop Dogg and Eminem and 50 Cent Dre I I don't think he's been I think it's just he's doesn't fit with the group I know he did his song so it made sense uh to fit him in there but I just don't think 
I don't think he was a part of that group personally. Yeah, that's definitely what I was going to say. I I do agree. If there was the like an awkward transition in there, it was his. Um, and it is I think because he is a little bit more of a modern artist, but maybe part of it is like i i think was it 50 50 cent that was not like on the actual like preview like he was the special guest i know there was one special guest it yeah, was it supposed was to be five and ended up being six yeah so maybe that was because they only wanted them all to sing one song and that was their way of making the halftime show long enough and he did fit in well but i do kind of wish a little bit more it was three of them maybe and they could each do a little bit more. Maybe they'll take notes off of that next year, but it was fantastic either way. Yeah, I know. All right, so yeah, quick definitely... question. Oh, sorry, Cody. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was, I was going to move us along as well. I was going to say, I know we just gave our, you know, nitpicks with it, but that's what they, they were. They were they were nitpicks. It was still a great halftime mm-hmm. show. I think we all mentioned it would be in our top, you know, top five of all time, that, or at least the top five that we've seen. I know there has been some before our, um, before we started watching the Super Bowl, that had been great. The Prince one, for example, I didn't see that one live, but everyone talks about when it started raining during Purple Rain, the the magic in that moment. So that was definitely a great show, but Snyder, I'll give it back to you because you were about to ask a question. Yeah, quick question before we move on, and I think Cody would be all for this one, but a lot of the things I saw online were people like, oh man, it would have been great to see like a, a hologram of Tupac right before... Like just see him appear in the middle of the show, and that would be cool. Well, how would you guys feel if uh, we had a halftime show of holograms? If we had an all-time legends hologram show where the entire thing is digitally produced, but it sounds and looks like they're there live. Like uh, you can have some of the greats of the past. I mean, hell, put Betty White on the corner of the stage, just waving to everybody and smiling. But you can have Tupac, you can have Michael Jackson, you can have Freddie Mercury, you can have all these greats of the past, all his holograms. Bring Prince back, uh, bring Prince back and have like an un- unbelievable show. And you can honestly have a lot of creative freedom with it because it is holograms. It's really just up to whatever you can do digitally. Uh, how would you feel about a show like that? Or do you think we should stick with real people? I, I think it would be interesting. So I'll say, th- so Nashville is a up and coming, um, up and coming city. Like it's getting bigger. You know, the infrastructure's adding. So they could be in line to host a Super Bowl eventually. I know they're a small market team, but they could eventually hit. I don't know what their hotel count is, and I know that's a big factor of it. Um, but like, you know, a city, a city that is so, you know, known historically for its music. I'm not saying all those guys fit into there their music aspect of it. I think that would be like a fun twist if you did it like the, like a music city tribute type of uh, thing with the holograms. I also think the holog, and I think the holograms would have to be played on an East coast, um, you know, or in a dome. Cause I do think there was a part of the reason there wasn't as many special effects in LA was because it was still daylight out and they had that translucent roof. So they really couldn't, black it out to really get the special effects going or anything like that um so that's like a, inside of the production why it could have been a little lackluster on that end so holograms would probably definitely need to be completely blacked out or on the east coast but if they could tie it into like you know a city like nashville or you know cleveland has the rock and roll hall of fame if they would ever get a super bowl i know that's another small market team just that has like the music connection but i do think it'd be weird as a fan to watch a bunch of holograms across the stage well 
It's not even a rumor right now, so we don't have to worry about it too much. Just an interesting idea. If you guys are listening to this podcast, as always, we'd love when you reach out to us and comment and give your opinion. So let us know what you would think of an all-hologram halftime show. If you'd like to see it, you get to see some of the all-time greats performing live again. Or if it just sounds stupid, let's stick to some real people. Let us know what you think. Just reach out to us on social media. But, guys, let's go ahead. <clears throat> wow, sorry there. Let's go ahead and move back on to the game. Uh, or more so after the game, and let's talk Cooper Cup. Um, this man, in my personal opinion, deserved the MVP for the whole season. I think he deserved it more than Aaron Rodgers. I think he did something that was more above and beyond for his position and for the team uh, than Aaron Rodgers did. So he should have won regular season MVP, in my opinion. But do you guys think he deserved the Super Bowl MVP, or do you think that was more of a makeup? While I think maybe part of it was a makeup, I still think there was probably two guys that I would have been happy with getting Super Bowl MVP. One would have been Aaron Donald because he was making his presence known that entire game and made the big play at the end of the game. And the other one was Cooper Cup. So I, I was just worried they were going to give it to Matt Stafford, who I think had a bit of an up and down Matt Stafford type game. He was not really super duper impressive, but I've seen them give it to quarterbacks in that same position in the past just because they're the quarterback. So I'm glad they at least went off that position. I'm totally cool with Cooper Cup getting that MVP. The only other person I think would have been Aaron Donald. Yeah, I think for me, it would have been Aaron Donald over Cooper Cup. Um, There's a couple of reasons why I think Aaron Donald was more disruptive the whole game where we were in the fourth quarter and I was texting back and forth with my uncle and I'm like, they're doing pretty good at shutting down Cooper Cup. Like he had the one touchdown, but he only had like three catches heading into the fourth quarter. Granted, he, he was instrumental in that last um five minutes of the game and they went down on the field and scored uh so i think that's why he got it and i also fun fact i didn't know this and i don't know if you guys know this they actually ask all the writers and everything they have to submit their mvp vote by the two-minute warning which i did not know that but that that makes a ton of sense on why a guy like malcolm butler didn't get the opportunity because the votes were already submitted that makes sense why Aaron Donald probably wasn't in true consideration because he only had one sack at that point. He was disruptive, but, you know, he didn't have the game-clinching sack. Like, you know, a two-sack performance, game-clincher, dominant the whole game, makes is a lot more MVP-worthy than, you know, a one-sack at the time of voting. So I do think Cup probably deserved it if you look at it through that magnifying glass. Um, I am with you. I agree. I'm glad they didn't give it to Matt Stafford, even though I'm a Matt Stafford fan. I didn't think he deserved it. Um, but I do think it's pretty interesting that we can't wait two extra minutes to actually name an MVP. Like if Joe Burrow would have led a touchdown drive or do like, do they, would he have gotten it? Do, would they have, do they send they one for the for Bengals, one for the Rams? Like, is that how it works? Like, I'm very interested now in how the Super Bowl MVP voting process works. Well, I will say in my opinion, I think super, uh, Cooper Cup did deserve the MVP for this game. I think he did enough to earn it. However, I think there was two other MVPs uh, that had a bigger day and less because of football. Uh, safety Taylor Rapp did get engaged as soon as the game was over, so he got a ring and so did she. Uh, that's honestly really cool. That's a great time. It would have been a lot more awkward if he would have lost and then proposed uh, while he's crying and fighting back tears, just like, all right, marry me. Uh, it would have been a little bit different. But also, uh, wide receiver Van Jefferson, in the middle of the game, his wife went into labor, um, and he posted a picture holding his baby after the game and said, I'm the real MVP, or 
Uh, he's the real MVP, something along those lines. So I think those two guys definitely had a bigger day because um, they got rings and they got life-changing moments. In more ways than one, that is that is a roller coaster ride of a day for a lot of the Rams there. Um, but speaking of roller coaster, we all thought the Bengals were going to go in for that victory, and then the last drive by the Rams happened. And especially down by the goal line, there was a lot of questionable calls by the refs, things that were not being called all day, like holding penalties and pass interferences. And all of a sudden started to look ticky tacky there inside the 10 yard line. So I'm going to ask you guys, do you think the refs sealed the win for the Rams on that last drive? Cody, I'll let you go first on this one. All right. So I'm going to say I am a big believer that, you need to do whatever you can. You you can't let the the refs dictate your game. Um, there is you know, you, I will say, the third and goal holding pass interference call. I forget what it actually was against Logan Wilson, the linebacker, was atrocious. It gave them a first down. Now you can't. We'll never know if they would have scored on fourth and goal, but it would have been a whole different game. They still had three timeouts. If they would have tried to run it three times, they could have still scored. There was still time left. So I think it's hard to say that they stole or, you know, stole the game from the Bengals or any way like that. Uh, the Rams fans would be like, look at the first playoff out of halftime when, you know, T. Higgins grabbed Ramsey's face mask, caused him to fall. He caught the touchdown. There was no flag. But the fact that there was no flag on that, they, they had only called three flags against the Bengals and they were all after plays. There was like two false starts called. For it to come down in that moment and we hear – time and time again that the refs are going to let you play at the end of the game for you to call it on third down to to reset the fourth downs now you know the the first the the second holding in the end zone that put him at the one that one was definitely more closer to the letter of the law but how that third down call was called is a, is an issue but like i said they could have scored on the next drive they could have got a stop and got there was a lot of what ifs the game wasn't over after that play um, so it, it to me, it leaves a sour taste because it feels like the refs have dictated too many outcomes. Um, but at the end of the day, there was still time left on the clock. We don't know what that other outcome could have been, uh, but it was definitely tough to watch. So then I'll take it a step for, further with you here because the Bengals did get the ball back. There was that key fourth down where Aaron Donald got to Joe Burrow, almost still got the playoff for the first down. The Rams were very clearly lined up in the neutral zone, so it should have been an automatic first down on an offside penalty. Well, if, so you I, almost look at it, they did it twice. Well, if you look at that same exact play, uh, the cornerback, the, I don't remember what his name is, but on the outside, he's bear-hugging T. Higgins on his slant route. He has both hands wrapped around his gut. Now, again, if you freeze frame any play, I'm sure you can find holding on it. I'm not trying to like mm -hmm. criticize the... the you know, the magnitude of it. And I'm not saying we need more flags in the game. I'm not saying that at all. But when you see stuff like that, and then you see an obvious non-holding call get called to help a team, it does feel a little bit fishy. Uh, but again, the the Bengals did have an opportunity, yes, an opportunity for one first down to close out the game compared to going 75 yards with two timeouts under a minute and a half to win the game or tie the game is completely different. I was hoping we got a, an Evan Money McPherson you know, field goal to send it to overtime so he could break the record for most kicks made in a postseason. He tied it with Adam Vinatieri, so shout out to him for that. Uh, but it was definitely it was it's tough to watch when you feel like the refs are getting involved. 
so the question was not did the refs mess up. The question was did the refs steal the win from the Bengals? And it, with that specific question, I'm going to say no. I do think the refs had some terrible calls and some terrible missed calls. Um, but I think the Bengals' offensive line stole the win from the Bengals. I don't care if they're lined up in the neutral zone or not. Um, you can freeze frame that play and look at the holding, or you can freeze frame that play and look at the offensive lineman face this way with nobody in front of him while the defender is going straight behind him untouched for Joe Burrow. Uh, that's the freeze frame that I want to look at on that play because it's just embarrassing. Um, by the way, that was the only former Titan uh, in the entire Super Bowl that completely blew that coverage. So shout out to the Titans still messing up in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, it's just it's ridiculous that Joe Burrow was able to make it as far as he did, put up the kind of points he did, and stay in that entire game being the most sacked quarterback in playoff history. Um, it, it's sad. If the Bengals would invest in some better offensive linemen, uh, they might have been Super Bowl champions because – Burrow would have had enough time. He would have seen Jamar Chase completely wide open, uncovered on that play for the game-winning touchdown. Because um, that's another thing you can freeze frame that play and look at is uh, the corner that was covering Chase was laying on the ground while Chase is standing there waving his arm saying, hey, I'm open. But he didn't have time to see him because Burrow had people in his face get throwing him on the ground. Um, so it sucks. Uh, I do think the refs definitely made an impact, but I think that Bengals offensive line is the most to blame. And I think that is what puts the biggest wrap on the Bengals season because it started with why didn't you draft an offensive lineman? Why'd you go get Jamar Chase? You know you need offensive line help. And it ended with their offensive line blowing the game for them. I mean, multiple times in the playoffs, even though they got through to the Super Bowl, and then it was finally the nail in the coffin in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, definitely I'm not right saying there. Jamar but Chase definitely... is a bad pick, but I mean, no. he was definitely a great pick, but at the same time, you still need offensive line help for them to make sure anything can happen. So hopefully now that they have uh, the receivers, the running back, the quarterback, they have all the pieces they need, go out and get some offensive linemen. Spend whatever you got to do to get it. Yeah, I think that's what that's their big takeaway from this. Um, I do know they had some injuries along the starting line, so they were already playing some backups. Their second-round pick um, was an offensive lineman. He was – he was starting to come on before his injury. I mean, he wasn't spectacular, but they definitely have some cap space. You'd, you'd love to go see them go out there and get some, you know, proven guys. You know, a Teron Armstead to play left tackle makes a ton of sense. But definitely a tough loss. I don't – I'm with you, though. I don't think you can say the refs stole the game. It's just – it gets frustrating when the refs try to get their airtime. That's that's what I, I feel like. Um, but, you know, another big storyline coming out of the Super Bowl – and even as big as a Stafford fan as I am, this one to me seems crazy. But now people are saying the Super Bowl win puts Matt Stafford in the Hall of Fame conversation. So I already know what Snyder's going to say because he's going to tell me that Jared Goff would have won that Super Bowl. So, George, <laughs> what is your thoughts on the Stafford Hall of Fame? Man, Jared Goff might have won that Super Bowl. <laughs> no. Um, I think they had a better chance with Stafford, even though it might have happened. As much as I love Matt Stafford, and I know McCody and I are very similar in this, the man put up a lot of numbers in Detroit despite not winning well. We've even had conversations where I think almost before this season, him and Phillip Rivers were semi-similar. I mean, he didn't get the wins that Phillip Rivers did in the regular season, but their stats 
Like they looked like regular season ballers. And I don't think that this puts them anywhere close. There's the best way I can describe it is I saw something on social media today that says that every quarterback from this era that was at least competent, is going to look like a hall of famer just because of the inflated passing stats and the fact that you're throwing the ball more now than you ever did in NFL history. So you have to almost look at the stats with a grain of salt or look at the performers above the performers in this generation Stafford's fantastic. Sure, he's he might be an above average quarterback when you put the right pieces around him. He's not a Hall of Famer. No, that's too much of an exaggeration. Yeah, I I don't think that Hall of Fame should hinge on how good you are at winning Super Bowls. I mean, if we're going off of that, then Tom Brady is has his own room in the Hall of Fame and nobody else is allowed in. Um I don't think the fact that Stafford hasn't won any Super Bowls should come into effect. Um but let's look at a different stat. Let's not look at how many times he's won the Super Bowl. Let's not look at how many passing yards he has, passing touchdowns he has. This might be a dumb stat to throw out there, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, do you guys know how many Pro Bowls Matt Stafford has made in his 13-year career? I believe it's one. 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 Hmm. So out of th- like whether he was on a bad team or not, out of his 13 seasons, he was rated as one of the best quarterbacks in the league for his own conference that season one time. If he was only done one time in 13 years, how can you say he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game and deserves the Hall of Fame? It just it sounds ridiculous. Uh, I, I do not think he's a Hall of Famer a, at all. I, I think he could be if he puts together a great end to his career, plays uh three or four more good years and puts up some amazing stats, wins some more things. It's possible, but right now, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I've always said I don't really care about wins. I don't really care about Pro Bowls. To me, it's more of a gut feeling. Were you the top of your – were you the top player at your position, you know, top three at your position for multiple years during your career? You can't say that about Matt Stafford. As fun as he is to watch, as good as he is, uh, if you want, you know, he doesn't have an All Pro either, which is more, which is a better statistic than the Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl is there's a lot of fan voting, and we saw how Lions fans were buying Detroit Rams shirts, so they're not real loyal fans there. But um, I'm with you. The oh, whole Matt Stafford thing. Stafford. <laughs> they're lo- that loyal that, to Stafford that they're willing to buy a Detroit Ram shirt, and he still didn't make a voted in Pro Bowl. Like it's just, it's crazy. That that is a good point. This reminds me of after that one Super Bowl that like Ju- Julian Edelman um, should have won MVP, had you know a bunch of catches, and people are like, oh, Julian Edelman, Hall of Fame wide receiver. And then when you actually step back and look at his stats, uh no, Julian Edelman's not, you know. Hall of Fame wide receiver. He had a good playoff run. That's about it. That's what Matt Stafford did. He he wasn't great. He did leave three game-winning drives in the playoffs. That's, you know, impressive. That's just what Matt Stafford does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he led some game-winning drives. He th- still threw two picks. He still led this past season in interceptions. He was tied with Trevor Lawrence. So I, I love Matt Stafford. I think he's a talented guy. I think he was a missing piece that helped the Rams um, get over the hump. But yeah, for me, definitely not on the Hall of Fame. So moving to guys who may have a chance to get voted into the Hall of Fame soon, maybe. Matt Stafford is not talking about potential retirement, but a couple of key Rams are. Um, Three of them to be noted, Andrew Whitworth, Aaron Donald, and Sean McVay. 
Yeah. I just, that's, that's what's being. I can't imagine Tyler Donald Schick. or McVay retiring. I can't do it. Like, it might happen. It's All possible. Right. Maybe you want to go out on top. Sure. But I just, I can't in my right mind picture it. Uh, McVay is still a very young head coach. He still has a great roster. He has the love of his team. Um, he's noted as one of the best head coaches in the league right now. Why would he want to retire? Uh, Aaron Donald, like if he has been battling a ton of injuries over the last four or five years, he's still playing at a high level. But if he was battling so many injuries that his body can barely hold together anymore, I'd understand it. But he's still young for his position and playing at a very high level and very healthy. Maybe he wants to retire before he's no longer healthy. I could see that as well. But uh, when you're still that healthy and playing at that high of a level, you're still a defensive player of the year candidate every single year. Why would you want to leave? Um, Andrew Whitworth, however, he is still playing at a high level, but he is up there in age, the oldest player in the NFL remaining now that uh, Tom Brady retired, and he gets a chance to retire on top. Uh, I, I could definitely see Whitworth retiring. Uh, the other two, it's just hard for me to picture. Yeah, I'm with you. Andrew Whitworth, he's he's the oldest offensive tackle, oldest player in the NFL now that Tom Brady's retired. Just won Walter Payton Man of the Year. That one's a pretty good conclusion that he's going to retire. The other two, they're definitely rumors out there. They seem sketchy. But I am going to propose the situation where I think that if you had to ask me which of the two between Donald and McVay would retire, I would pick McVay. Now, again, I still think it's a very long shot, but and I do think this is something that he is due for a contract extension. So I think there is some of that um, aspect of it. But on a personal side, Sean McVay did just get engaged this during this past season, so he is looking to start a family with his wife. You mentioned he is one of the young quarterbacks or young coaches in the league. I believe he's only 35 right now, maybe 34, 34, 35. Still very young for a head coach. He got the job at 30. He's been to the Super Bowl twice in the last four years. He's won one of them now. But he's also a smart guy. He knows the Rams situation. He knows that they have no picks. Like, this team is going to start declining. They have no picks. They can't go out and repeat what they did. They can hope to re-sign Von Miller, hope to bring back OBJ. But they have no picks. Any 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 TV station will take him. If he wants to go make John Gruden money, 10-plus million for Monday Night Football, I think it was reported that Tony Romo was making almost $18 million with CBS. He could easily go get that kind of money working foot, working in, in the broadcast, get a little bit easier life, build his his you know relationship up, build his family with his wife. And in three or four years, five years, he'll still be under 40 and just be like, hey, I want to coach again. And any team looking for a job would hire him in a heartbeat. So at least the option to still be coaching, but if he wants to take a hiatus, go do some TV, see if that's what it's in, I could see that happening. Still think it's a long shot, um, but he definitely has his options. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I still don't see it. I mean, I know that they don't have picks, so they're going to start declining, but they're not going to – I don't think they're going to plateau. I don't think they're just going to fall off the face of the earth. I think they still got a year or two of being a strong contender before they really fall off. Um, their future definitely doesn't look bright with no picks, but we've seen teams like that before where we're like, oh, they got to fall off now, right? And then they find some way to turn it back around. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, guys, I th I think that's it. That is that is all of our Super Bowl talk, which means that's all of our football talk for this season. 
It's officially over, guys. And so, so depressing. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us through our second season. Um, we definitely changed the show up a little bit, and that's why we're going to take just a reminder one last time. Two weeks off, we're going to do some discussion between ourselves, try to figure out some new formats, get some ideas for the upcoming offseason. Uh, but as always, thanks for listening to the Couch GM's podcast. Yeah, guys, and we're changing, and we're going to keep trying to grow and uh, change some things up with this podcast. But we're not just doing it because it's what we want to do. We're also doing it because it's what you want to hear. So if there's something that you feel like our podcast is missing, uh, some things you want to hear on a weekly basis, some things you definitely want us to discuss more, reach out to us. Let us know because we want this podcast to be more fun for you. We don't talk just to hear ourselves talk. We talk so you guys out there can listen and get some fantasy advice that you need to help go win it, win some championships of your own. Um, so definitely reach out to us, especially Bo Dot Dot. Reach out to us and let us know who the heck you are so we can invite you on this podcast. But be excited. Big things coming, guys. Uh, this podcast is so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Yes, it is, Tyler. And thank you guys for listening in one more time to the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth. We'll see you all in March. Enjoy the beginning of the offseason. We'll talk to you soon. Boom.